Turn with me to the book of James, the fourth chapter. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight just for a few. Well, I better not say that. <laughs> for a little bit. I won't keep you too long. Amen. I have focused, narrow notes. Amen. Even though there are a lot of places we could go with this. James chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Where do wars, and I'm in the New King James Version, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Wherefore, where, Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, jealously. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. You guys in the front are laughing, but the back was standing. <laughs> I wasn't being funny. <laughs> you can be seated. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight. Uh, this may be one of those, Brother Buford, one of those blue-collar messages where you just roll up your sleeves and you work. Amen. I'm going to talk to you tonight. There is a cure for worldliness. There is a cure for worldliness. I think that you would agree with me that this world is growing darker and darker as we go along. <clears throat> to say that when the Bible says they'll call evil good and good evil, my goodness, that I think we, we blew past that line a long time ago. Amen. Dark, confused, perverse world that we live in. It's not all doom and gloom, amen. We have hope. Amen. In the gospel, we have hope in the spirit that we have Jesus Christ within us. Can I get an amen to that? So I'm not, I'm not doom and gloom tonight, but worldliness is something that we have to guard against as Christians, not, not just as a church body. Amen. It is our pastor's job to be that watchman, amen, that keeps an eye out and keeps the, the wolves out of the, out of the fold, if you will. But even as Christians and, and as parents, we have an individual responsibility to make sure that our lives are guarded, that our hearts are secure, if you will, that our minds are, the, the Bible tells us that we ought to guard our heart, amen. Can I get an amen? So we have to do that and we have to guard it against worldliness because worldliness is something that can creep in kind of like bitterness. It's, a, it's almost like a root that once it gets established, amen, it's one of those things that can grow and grow and you actually become more and more comfortable with it and uh, less able to recognize it or identify it, amen? So I want to talk to you tonight. There is a cure for worldliness. There is a way, amen, that we can stay uh, secure against worldliness. Deuteronomy chapter 2, amen, beginning with verse 1, 
I do have some scriptures for you tonight, but I won't, I hopefully won't drag that out on you. Amen. Then we returned and journeyed into the wilderness of, uh, of the way to the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted Mount Seir for, morning, for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Amen. You have skirted this mountain. Amen. Think about what is being said there, that the children of Israel are gathered around the base of this mountain. And God is saying, amen, you have skirted this mountain long enough. It's time to move northward. It's time to get up. It's time to take action. And it's time to get moving. Amen. There is a danger in any Christian or body of believers that will find themselves stalled out or find themselves in a stagnant situation, amen, where they are just sitting around and waiting. We have got to be a church and a people and individuals of action, amen. Every day that our feet hit the floor, we have got to be aware that we have an adversary in this world that desires to take our lives, that desires, amen, to sift us, as the scripture would say, amen, that would want to turn us away from the ways of God. We've got to be aware of it. And, and, I, and I believe here in Deuteronomy we can learn from this, this uh, section of scriptures, amen. And he commanded the people saying, you are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau. I'm going to take, this is going to be one of those little Brother Perryman sidebars. And I'm sorry about that, kind of. But I, I want you to notice that what the scripture is saying here. You are going to be passing through the territory of your brethren. This doesn't have a lot to do with what I'm preaching. But he's talking about you're going to be walking through the land of Esau. And you'll see this here in just a minute. And he's saying those are the folks that are lost. Those are the folks that are the heathens. Those are the folks that didn't follow after me. They went after their own way. They, they were after their own flesh. Amen. But he called them brethren. Amen. Again, this is just a sidebar. It doesn't have anything really to do with worldliness. But I, I really think that we do ourselves and the gospel a disservice when we consider the territory that we are walking through, that they are our enemy. Can I get an amen? Lost souls in the world are not our enemy. Sin is our enemy. The sinners are not our enemy. They are our mission, our commission that we ought to reach them. Amen. That we ought to not consider them the enemy. We don't guard ourselves against sinners. We guard ourselves against sin. Can I get an amen to that? That was just a side note. He said the descendants of Esau who live in Seir and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. He's saying, guard yourself, be aware, watchful, amen. Do not meddle with them, amen. I don't want to go word for word through these scriptures, but we've got to be careful when we're walking through this world that we don't find ourselves meddling with this world. Can I get an amen? That once we are picked up and once we are moving forward, we've got to understand, Brother Buford, that we are just passing through, amen, that we're not going to meddle with them, we're not going to meddle with their ways, we're not going to mingle and intertwine with them, amen, when we are called out, amen, we are called out of darkness into his marvelous light, hallelujah, we've got no business one foot in the dark and one foot in the light, we've got no business, hallelujah, meddling with them, 
Can I get an amen? We got to love them. We got to reach them. We got to do whatever we got to do, amen. But just don't meddle with them. You know why? There's a fear that is in their hearts, and it says they'll be afraid of you. They're, they're, they, they, they look bold. They look courageous. They look intimidating. They look scary. But what happens when a child of God, amen, is encountered by somebody that's lost in sin, there is a fear and an intimidation that's inside of them, and they quickly, can I wish I could get an amen, they quickly want to change you. They quickly want to see you slide back and, and rejoin them, hallelujah, because they're uncomfortable. They're, 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 amen. They are feeling that holy, hallelujah, conviction, maybe not in your words, but if you're living the right lifestyle, if you're saying the right things, if you're doing the right things, they know that there's a difference. Amen. Can I get an Amen. They're afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Don't meddle with them. For I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as one footstep. Because I've given, given Mount Sierra to Esau as a possession. You will buy food with, from them with money that you may eat. And you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you and you in all the work of your hand. And he knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. Amen. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. Watch this. If you're walking through this life, you have, we have got to, and remember, I'm teaching on worldliness. I want you to keep that, even if I don't constantly mention it, keep that in the back of your mind. When we are walking through this life, we're not to meddle with them. And watch this, uh, Brother Lee. None of this is going to be ours. He said, when you walk through this land, this is their land. I've given it to them. In other words, this is their reward. If this is all that they turn their life over to and they don't give it to me, this is all they'll have. You don't concern yourself with what's around you because none of that's yours anyway. Do you have a home in heaven? Are you going to walk on streets of gold one day? Do you have a mansion up there? Did he go to prepare a place for you? Amen. None of this is of any concern of yours. Amen. Amen. He said, the Lord God has blessed you in all your work, all the works of your hand. He says, he knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. God sees us each and every day. These 40 years, the Lord God has been with you, and you have lacked Nothing. I'm going to revisit this here in a little bit. You have lacked nothing. I know that you've gone through this world. I know that you have refrained from some things. I know that in order to stay saved, you have kept yourself out of maybe some business dealings, maybe some social settings, maybe some other things. And I know that you have refrained. I know that you have sacrificed. I know that. But as long as you're walking with me, you'll lack nothing. You may not have a whole lot of this stuff, but you'll lack nothing. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Leviticus chapter 18. We're going to do this again through these scriptures for just a moment. Amen. Leviticus chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them. I, lo I love this first declaration. I am the Lord your God. Watch this. Verse 3. According to the doings of the land of Egypt where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk 
in their ordinances. Watch this, the land of Egypt. Let's cover that first. In other words, we are not to follow the crowd. Amen? We're not all about the status quo. The church is not supposed to be about the mundane and the mediocre. He said, the land of Egypt from which I am bringing you, you need to just let that go. How many know that Egypt represents the world? Amen. And Egypt, amen, represents a, a, a sin in our life. The, that Egyptian lifestyle represents sin in our life. It represents worldliness in our life. Amen. He is saying that where you were, it's time to walk away from that. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt from the land that I have brought you out of. It's time for you to break dealings with them. It's time for you to forget about how you did things when you were there. It's time for you to forget about how you dressed when you were there, how you looked when you were there, how you talked when you were there, how you celebrated when you were there, how what they, what they considered entertainment. Forget about that. It's time that when you walk away from Egypt, you are also going to walk away and keep yourselves from their ordinances. You're going to keep yourselves from their laws. But watch this. And I'm going to take you to the land of Canaan. But he said, don't do as they do either. Watch this. Just because I bring you from here to there doesn't mean the expectations change. I thought I'd get more amens than that. No matter how far you have come, you still can't live like them. He said, I'm going to take you, the land that I'm taking you from, Egypt, I feel like i got to say this again because I didn't get enough amens. I'm going to take you from the land of Egypt, a land of bondage, where you were a slave, I'm just going to, I'm going to bring it to us, where we are slaves to sin, where we lived worldly, where we were bound, where we were addicted, where we were depressed and oppressed and all of those kinds of things. I'm going to bring you from there to blessing." Canaan, but when you get there, you still don't live like they live. You still don't follow their ordinances. You still aren't under their laws. I'm the Lord your God. So when you go from here to there, it doesn't matter how good you get. It doesn't matter how blessed you are. It doesn't matter how far you have come. I can look back over my life, amen, and I can say the Lord has brought me from a long way, amen. I was just, a, a, you know, I was a, a hooked on drugs and drinking, and I was I came from a violent upbringing, and I was, I was into all that kind of stuff. You don't need all the color commentary, amen. But I was involved in this world deeply. I was raised in it. I believed in it, and I lived hard for it, amen. Praise God. And the Lord has brought me a long way. I have seen miracles in my life. I have seen healings in my own body, let alone other folks. I have seen the gospel come alive in the eyes and the ears and in the lives, hallelujah, of people's lives. I'm talking about coming a long way. I've come from out from under the curse of sin, and now I'm living under the blessing of the Holy Ghost. But watch, the rules haven't changed for me, hallelujah, just because I, and I'm just going to say this, but just because I'm full of the Holy Ghost, just because I've had great experiences, amen, with God, just because, hallelujah, I've been around the block a couple of times, hallelujah, that doesn't mean now I can back up a little bit and I can start to handle a little bit of this and I can start to handle a little bit of that. I'm here to tell you, if you start living your life like that, you're going to find yourself, hallelujah, intertwined in this world again and just as long 
lost as you started out. If I bring you from here to there, you still can't live like them. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And you shall observe, watch this, you shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And oh yeah, I'm going to remind you again, I am the Lord. Amen? That, what does that say? You know what? You're going to get there. I know that you guys were walking away from some things here, but you're going to get underneath blessing, and you're going to get there, and you're going to recognize some things. And maybe you're going to get a little bit more comfortable, and you're going to be in the, walking in the land of promise and walking in faith and all of those kinds of things. But don't you forget that when you get there, no matter how much you have changed, I have never changed. Hallelujah. My ways aren't going to be like their ways. My thoughts aren't going to be like their thoughts. My expectations are going to be higher than their expectations. It doesn't matter how much better they live. It doesn't matter if you're not a slave there. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like you're in bondage when you get there. Yeah, I'm going to drive this point home, amen. Whenever you get there, hallelujah, none of that matters. What still matters, it doesn't matter what they call right. It doesn't matter what they call acceptable. It doesn't matter what they call politically correct. I am the Lord. You will will follow my ordinances and you will follow my judgments hallelujah praise God hallelujah amen thank you Jesus uh, amen Abraham had to leave the land of his father before he could receive the promise the Israelites had to trek far into the desert before they could receive the vision at Sinai and we have got to leave our old lives behind amen to partake in the newness of life Can I get an amen Repentance, the very act of repentance, literally means to turn away. Hallelujah. It literally means a 180 degree lifestyle, mentality change. Hallelujah. That I once was living that way and now I'm going to live this way. I once was under, amen, the rule of sin, but now I operate under the, the blessing of grace. Hallelujah. It's a 180 degree turn. When you repent of your sins, hallelujah, you are turning away from this world and your wicked ways. Not just in a, I'm sorry, Lord, but in your mentality, in your mind mindset in your lifestyle when you kneel down at this altar you are saying more than I am sorry God and he's saying more than I forgive you son or daughter hallelujah you are literally saying when I get up from this place hallelujah when I wipe the tears from my cheeks I'm going to live different hallelujah I'm going to do things another way I'm no longer going to do things that way I no longer desire that taste I no longer desire that life, hallelujah, I want something different, praise God repentance, I'm just in repentance, baptism praise God, is literally hallelujah, you are brand new there's a radical break from the past, amen, 
We are transformed, hallelujah. We are reborn, praise God. And we are, we are made literally new creations, hallelujah, by the miracle of God's sacrifice on the cross, by the application of his blood. When we come out of that water in the name of Jesus Christ and we have been baptized in him, amen, and we have taken on his name, we are not just coming out of there and our skin is a little bit cleaner, but the Bible declares that we are new creatures, hallelujah, that we are born again of the water. We come out of there babes in Christ, hallelujah. The slate has been wiped clean, hallelujah. The past has been washed away. The blood has covered it, amen. And the Bible says your sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west, hallelujah. They are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, hallelujah. When you are baptized in the name of Jesus, you're a new creature. you got no business going back to that lifestyle. You've got no business going back to that taste. You've got no business returning to those desires and those pleasures and those lusts. Hallelujah. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus and your identity is found in Him. Oh, hallelujah. God is good. 2 Corinthians 5 says, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise God. Being holy means coming alive and looking away from that which deadens the spirit. Did you hear that? Being holy means I'm now alive. When I come up out of the waters of baptism and I have repented of my sins, I am now alive, and it's time to turn away from those things that deaden my spirit and my soul. Colossians 3.1 says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And the one true God, and amen, the holy God of heaven makes us new. Revelation 21.5 says, then he who sat on the throne, say that's God, said, behold, I make all things new. Amen. Do you remember that day? You remember the first time you repented of your sins? I was about 10 years old. Back then, this is going to scare some folks. I go back further than a lot of people think. So I know I look like a spring chicken, but. <clears throat> or a stuffed bird, I don't know. <laughs> I remember when we were kids, 10, 11, 12 years old, a lot of times we didn't go to the altar because we were scared to death. When you went up there and repented, now, back then, it seemed, Brother Cozart, like it was all the ladies of the church. But it seemed like every lady of the church, whether you had 30 or 300, got around you. Is everybody's phone freaking out? Are we all right? Flash flood, all right. <clears throat> it's okay. Mine was vibrating. I just, I wanted to look because if there was a tornado, I'd, I'd probably let some of you go downstairs. The rest of you send outside. <laughs> 
I don't even know where I was at. This is bad. That was my squirrel. Amen. At the, at the altar, thank you. They'd pray for you, man. They'd gather around you. And, man, I'll tell you what, you realize, you realize right then and there, you was a sinner. Because <laughs> them folks was treating you like you was on fire. Patting on you, beating on you, rolling you around on the floor. You know, I'm just, I'm teasing a little. I'm exaggerating a little bit. But I remember when, a little bit. I, I remember, though, repenting. I remember the day I got baptized. Amen. I remember those things. I remember as, as a young man that hadn't, well, I had done a lot of things at a young age, but I, I didn't feel bad about a lot of the things that I had done because I didn't know better. Amen. I didn't have a lot of teaching at the point, at that point. But I do remember getting baptized even at a young age and coming out of that water and something felt different. Something spiritual had happened. I couldn't identify it then. There's no way I could have told you about it then. But I can remember back and remember thinking I I could breathe a little easier and I felt a little lighter and I actually felt cleaner. Amen. That's, That's baptism. That's what that does for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. And God has done that for you and I. God has given us that opportunity to be that clean person. Philippians says in chapter uh, chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, watch this, forgetting those things which are behind. Not just not having a memory of them. That's not what it's saying. Have you ever been mad at somebody and you just said, you know what, forget it. I'm done. I'm walking away from it. I'm through with it. Forget it. Forget you. Forget all of it. Anybody ever said that? Just just me? Forgetting those things. You know what he's saying? Just, just walk away from them. Forget those things which are behind a man. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Press. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus. Did you notice the language there? Forward and upward. Amen. When we are born again. Amen. It is not a lateral move. You didn't get that. When we're born again. It's not a lateral move. Amen. When we're born again. There's something should change. Something should be different. Something should be elevated. Something should be lifted. Amen. If you are going some, if you're going to a church, or if you're doing Bible studies, or if you're starting to adopt a mentality that says, "I'm just, I just am who I am, and I will always be who I will always be," personality-wise, that may be true. But when you come to God, there should be a difference. Amen. I know He says, "Come as you are," but He is not going to leave you that way. Amen. He wants you to come as you are because he is the difference maker praise God he loves you enough to not leave you in that mess did you hear that he loves you enough to lift you out of the miry clay. He loves you enough to bring you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He did not expect you to stay the same and be in the same mess and have the same mentality and struggle with the same sins. Hallelujah. I've told the story before. Uh, I, I used to do all kinds of nicotine, but I used to chew tobacco, and that was one thing. And some of you are going to be grossed out, but that was one thing that I actually enjoyed 
doing, amen, of all the things that were harmful. But one day I said to God, Lord, you know that I, that I, I don't necessarily want to quit this. But if this isn't your will and you don't want me to have anything to do with it, then I'm going to at least take the first step. And I'm going to see if this is your will. I rolled my window down, Brother Buford, and I threw that two-thirds of a can out the window, amen. Six weeks later, somebody that chewed a, a can of skull every three days and a pack of cigarettes a day, amen. Six weeks later, I found myself on a boat on a lake fishing, thinking, I haven't had any, any kind of nicotine in six weeks. Amen? He loves us enough to not leave us in that struggle of sin, but to bring us out and set us up. Amen? It doesn't work that way for everybody, praise God. Some folks struggle and they battle, but God loves you enough if you'll take the steps, if you'll take action, if you'll say, we've skirted this mountain long enough, it's time to get up and move northward. God will bring you through. And I promise you that. Amen. When we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, amen, it is a new life. Amen. It's a holy life. It's an abundant life. And life, amen, may not change in the physical, but know that Christ, amen, know that with Christ, praise God, you can be sick, you can be broke, you can be lonely, disappointed, discouraged, amen, and even in debt. You just fill in the blank, whatever, whatever you may be in, in your situation, amen. But deep down inside, amen, you're no longer determining your success by your surroundings and your circumstances. But instead, you're reaching forward and you're moving upward, hallelujah, and that is abundant life. What does that mean? When you are when your identity is in Jesus Christ and not in your surroundings and your circumstances, amen. You can be broke and still feel like you're living abundant life. Hallelujah. You can have sickness and disease in your life and still feel like you're living an abundant life. Hallelujah. You can have loss and disappointment and discouragement, but something in your faith deep down inside says, "You know what? I'm not all about all of this and this is all temporary." Hallelujah. I've got a Abundant life, hallelujah. And one day, one day I'm going to be with him. Can I get an amen? In, in worldliness, amen, you have to note and take and pay attention that there is a connection, amen. Because we talked about identity, that there's a connection between worldliness and idolatry, amen. And the reason being is because in idolatry, you're trying to find something to relate to or identify with. Can I get an amen? When they were, when Moses was up on the mountain and the people began to clamor and they wanted, they wanted some kind of vision of God, they built the golden calf. You know why? They needed something to touch, something to see, something that said, uh, I can identify with that. Well, who, whose side are you on? Well, I'm here with the golden calf today. You understand what I'm saying? That there's an identity there. So worldliness, amen, goes beyond, hallelujah, just worldly pleasures, praise God, and things that we search after. Praise the Lord. Worldliness is intertwined and it's related to, and it will remind you of, praise God, idolatry. Hallelujah. How is there an example with that? If you have something in your life, amen. Who here is a diehard Cardinals fan? Anyone? All right. I think there's more than that. 
folks are afraid I'm going to say being a Cardinals fan is idolatry. No, that's Cubs. Where's sister? There she is. I'm just kidding. Maybe. <laughs> kind of like I was kidding about the 300. Yeah, rolling you around. See, idolatry is related to worldliness because if we, if we have something in our life that becomes our identity, amen, that becomes an idol in our life. It doesn't have to be sin. It doesn't have to be wrong. Amen. Uh, Brother Lowe, where's Brother Lowe? He likes it when I point him out. Brother Lowe is the youth pastor of this church, student pastor. What do you call yourself? Reverend, the Rev. When, when we go to Giordano's with this guy and we're ordering pizza and he orders, he says, I would like, well, because I'm the youth minister of Lighthouse in O'Fallon, and because I'm a licensed minister with the UPCI, I would like a large pepperoni pizza. What I'm getting at is you can be a Cardinals fan, you can be a youth minister, you can be a licensed minister, you can be a backhoe operator, you can be a doctor, a lawyer, all of those kinds of things. Nothing wrong with any of those kinds of things, amen. But if they become the thing that identifies you and not Christ, I just see raised eyebrows. <laughs> okay? If, if what you do, let, let me explain that a little further because I don't, I don't want to leave that so wide open. If, you, if, if I am a, a minister in this church and that is what I identify with, that there's nothing wrong with being a minister. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but if I am so involved and so rooted in and so engulfed in and consumed by the fact that I'm a licensed carrying minister that all I do is tell everybody that and that's the first I shake my neighbor's hand hey it's nice to meet you I'm a licensed minister pleased to meet you and then I go about mowing my lawn but in my life watch this in my life there is no submission to God If I'm a licensed minister and no prayer life, if I'm a licensed minister and I'm not in the word of God, if I'm a licensed minister or if I'm a cardinal fan or if I'm a backhoe operator or if I'm a cabinet installer or if I'm a home builder or if I'm a doctor or a lawyer or any of those things and everything in my life is consumed by being that thing so that when I'm doing that thing, sometimes I'm not at church and a lot of times I don't come to prayer meeting and most of the time I don't have a prayer life at home or I'm neglecting my family or I'm not taking care of the blessings and the miracles that God has put in my life. Watch, it has become an idol in my life. Our identity has to be found in Jesus Christ. Is there anything wrong with any of those things? No, I'm a lot of those things that I named. Amen? But if I'm doing all of that or any of that, but I'm not submitted to the will of God and working in the kingdom of God, it is in vain. Amen? And, and it becomes worldly. How is that? Because it's established and it's rooted in pride. Can I get an amen? 
Amen. We'll visit that in just a second. Amen. The, the world, praise God. Let me make sure I'm on the right spot. If it keeps you from building and maintaining a relationship with God, taking care of kingdom responsibilities, your prayer times, your devotion, and you're too tired, too busy, or too broke, it's no longer a career, an interest, or a hobby. It's an idol, and you're too rooted in the world, and therefore you are worldly. That's how. If you are rooted in that and not in the kingdom, you have worldliness in your life. Can I get an amen? The call to be holy, amen, is completely radical and contrary to the world. Can I get an amen? See, the world, uh, the worldly culture, amen, flatters itself by telling you that it's intellectual, that it's intelligent, that it's creative, that it's original, amen. Worldliness and that worldly mentality, amen, is a proud, puffed-up mentality. It wants you to believe that it's the original, that it is the intellectual, that it is the, the one, amen, that is sitting in the cool table. A child of God, amen, us, children of God, praise the Lord, have got to establish in ourselves that none of those things, none of their pretenses, none of their uh, preconceived ideas, none of those things matter to you and I. There is nothing, hear me child of God and hear me young people, there is nothing more original and powerful than somebody that wakes up in the morning and says, God, what do you want me to do today? It's contrary to this world. Lord, how many have ever heard of people giving up uh, great established careers because they went to go do some lowly thing in the kingdom of God. Amen. That's because that is more powerful. It's more original. Hallelujah. Amen. It's more established in the kingdom. Praise God. Young people, you cannot do anything greater in your life. And I'm not telling you not to pursue your careers, not to go to school, not to do things that you love. I'm not telling you any of those things. But there is not going to be anything greater in your life than to live for God. There is nothing more original than a young person or, or an established person, amen, that, praise the Lord, gets up in the morning and has a prayer time. There's nothing more powerful than someone that when they don't know where to turn, they turn to God. There's nothing more original and powerful than somebody that says, I remember when I first found out, amen, that I was diabetic and they found out that my, my blood sugar was 889. That was my fasting blood sugar was 900. And the doctor said, we've got to get a nurse in here. We've got to get you started on injections. This is a stupid thing to do so I'm not recommending this but I looked at that doctor and I said we have prayer meeting tonight and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to let my pastor anoint me with oil and they're going to pray the prayer of faith and they're going to pray for me first and he said son if you put this off any longer you may not wake up tomorrow morning amen and I, again I'm not recommending this I'm just telling you this was stupid young faith but I'm here to tell you there's the, the world will scoff at that the world will say what is wrong with you you are crazy you are backward you are awkward you are left out. You are all by yourself. You're out there on an island. Let me tell you this. If I'm on an island with Jesus, I got everything that I need. Amen. There's nothing more original. There's nothing more powerful than a young person. Amen. Or, or an elder or a middle age or somebody married or somebody single that says, I don't do things your way. I do things my God's way. I don't do things, amen, to make you happy. I do things to please my God. I'm not following your ordinances or your judgments. Uh, I'm following the the word of God. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I've got a few more minutes. Man, I'm ahead of schedule. That's awesome. Say thank you, Jesus. Let me just read this is a quick Bible study, amen, that I was reading and found, amen, and it's in the Living Bible, praise the Lord, and it's concerning um, worldliness. If you love God and worldly things, if you love God, worldly things won't have much appeal. It's in the Bible, 1 John, and you could either write these down or try to follow me, please. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Stop, this is what the word of God says. Again, it's the living Bible. It's going to sound funny, but what I love about it is I love how it, it, it does kind of paint a picture. It's kind of dramatic, but I can promise you it is not changing the translation. So don't get afraid of what I'm saying, amen. But I want you to just hear it. 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 15. Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love these things, you show that you don't really love God. For all these worldly things, these evil desires, this craze for sex, the ambition to buy everything that appeals to you, and the pride that comes from wealth and importance, these are not from God. They are from this evil world itself, and this world is fading away, and these evil, forbidden things will go with it. But whoever keeps doing the will of God will live forever. You cannot enjoy worldly pleasures and be a friend of God, James chapter 4, verse 4. You are like an unfaithful wife who loves her husband's enemies. I read James chapter 4. It was part of my opening text. Do you remember that? And all it said was, you adulterers and adulteresses, exclamation point. This is just expounding on that. You are like a cheating wife that loves the enemies of her husband. Now I know I know you won't hear this kind of stuff in the disco churches, amen. Because they 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 think that they're preaching. Uh, I heard one preacher say uh, it's Candyman preaching. Whoever's ever heard that? Because the Candyman makes the world taste good, amen. They don't offer, uh, amen. In some of these doctrines and in some of these faiths, amen. They don't offer a change. They don't offer a perspective of God that desire that de not only desires but de demands. We read in the opening text that He puts in us a spirit, amen. That has je that is jealously abiding there, amen. God wants your attention. God wants your desires. God wants your pleasures. God wants your devotion and your loyalty. Amen. And he won't settle for it going anywhere else. Can I get an amen? What kind of activities are wrong? It's in the Bible. Galatians 5, 19. But when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce evil results, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism, uh, that is encouraging activity of demons, hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticism, the feeling everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group, and there will be wrong doctrine, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties, and all that sort of thing. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Romans 12, 2. 
Don't copy the behavior. Amen. In other words, don't follow the fads of this world. Don't copy the, be, copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. Then you will learn from your own experience how his ways will really satisfy you. Knowing Jesus causes us to lose interest in the world. Galatians chapter 6. As for me, God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in all the attractive things of the world was killed long ago. And the world's interest in me is also long dead. Avoid worldly philosophies. Can I get an amen to that? Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, don't let others spoil your faith and joy with their philosophies, their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas instead of on what Christ has said. Can I get an amen to that one? And one more, 1 Peter 2, live as though your home was in heaven. Dear brothers, you are only visitors here since your real home is in heaven. I beg you to keep away from the evil pleasures of this world. They are not for you. For they fight against your very souls. Now I said all of that. And I'm getting sweaty. I said all of that. To define for you worldliness. How many feels like you got it? Now what's the cure for worldliness? I'm not asking you to answer that. Because you might have a right answer. There, there may be other cures for worldliness. But in James chapter 4, that we read in our opening text, amen, in the New King James Version, it's pretty cool because it, it gives you titles of the different sections. It might say the children of Israel leaving Egypt or things like that. Moses parts the Red Sea. It'll give you little titles like that. Beginning with verse 7, let me read to you the ending of verse 6. God resists the proud. I'm in James chapter 4, verse 6. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then there's a little title in the New King James Version, if you, if you have that in your Bible, that says, humility cures worldliness. And listen to this. Verse 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Worldliness is ultimately rooted in pride. And God resists the proud. What causes you to do worldly things? What causes you to participate, to listen to worldly things, to watch worldly things, to participate in worldly things, to talk worldly? What causes you to do that? Only pride can cause you to do that. Why? You feel like you can handle it. You have allowed yourself to be fooled into thinking that because you participated in something and God didn't strike you down dead, that it must have been all right. You're, you're proud. You know why? Because you're operating on feeling. When you do that, when you do that, when you do things wrong and you feel like because nothing came of it, 
There was no punishment, no consequence. So you must be all right. You couldn't be operating more in your flesh than right there in that moment. You don't have to look very far to get in Scripture and know what you ought to be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. Amen? Worldliness is rooted in pride. So the only cure for worldliness is humility. God, when I wake up in the morning, I've got to have you. Two, three days go by and you haven't prayed. God, I cannot believe I made it three days and I haven't talked to you. Your Bible is sitting on the shelf and it's got a a film of dust on the cover. You ought to be humble enough to say, God, forgive me. I cannot believe I haven't gone astray yet. You know why? He told every, there there are multiple occasions in the Bible. I'll give you one with Joshua. He said, if you abide by my word and you don't go to the left and you don't go to the right, watch this. Then will you be successful. God, I am shocked that I haven't been in the word for two weeks and I haven't failed yet. I'm not out here in right field or over here in left field. I can't believe it. Humility will say, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to get back on my knees and I'm going to get my prayer life fixed and I'm going to get my my devotion life fixed and I'm going to get my, Lord, I can't believe I have skipped every prayer meeting in June and I haven't been there and I haven't been faithful. God, I cannot believe that somehow something didn't happen. I'm going to get back to it. You know why? Because pride would say, well, I've missed all of the month of June or May or whenever. I missed all of that and something didn't happen, so I must not need to go to that. That must be optional. You're operating in your flesh and pride has convinced that to allow that worldliness to seep into your life and humility will nip that in the bud. Humility will say, I got to run back to him. I got to get that out of my house. I got to get that out of my my ears and out of my phone. I got to get that off my TV. I've got to get that. I've got to get my life right. I got to stop going there. I got to stop talking like that. There's all sorts of you're the whole time I'm preaching, you're going through your Rolodex of things that you have allowed because I am too. You need to hear this as much as I needed to study it. Can I be real like that? We go through our Rolodex of things. You know what? I've let this slip. I've let this get by. I've allowed this in. And I'm going to clean that up. You know why? Humility says my identity has got to be in him or I'm lost. Not kind of lost. Not kind of saved. (laughs) You either make it or you don't make it. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.